Hey, thank you so much for coming out on a Wednesday night. I appreciate it so much. Uh, it's so cool to, to have you all here. What we want to do with these leadership nights, we're going to do one a month uh, for the next 10 months. So there's 10 sessions all together. And the goal is just to uh, encourage all of us and to develop all of us uh, in our leadership. A lot of people will ask me, is leadership something that you are born with or is it something that you can grow and mature in? And I think the latter is absolutely the truth. It is something that you grow in. It is something that you can develop. It is something that you can mature in. Um, Some people, it's fair to say, have personality types that lend themselves to looking like the more natural leaders, but there's a big difference between being a good leader and just being a bossy so-and-so. So why is uh, leadership important? Uh, I think that ultimately, uh, leadership builds character. Uh, There's no faster way to become the best version of yourself uh, than to build leaders uh, and to build leadership. Uh, It requires so much more of you than just living uh, an ordinary life. But also, uh, most importantly, leadership is influence. It's a John Maxwell quote. So some of you are probably sitting here, and I spoke to a few of you during the week even, who are like, I don't know if leadership is my thing. I don't know if leadership's on my life. And that's because we kind of define leadership as the boss or the guy or the girl up the front or the person running the team or the person who's in charge. Uh, And the truth is that not every single person is called to run a team. Not every single person is called to be in charge. Um, But leadership is actually influence. And so even though you might say, look, I don't feel that I'm called to be the boss, um, how many of you would like to have your opinions heard? How many of you would like your voice to be recognized? How many of you would like it that when uh, you, know, you say in conversation to someone, look, I really believe this, that they hear what you have to say? How many would like uh, the people in your workplace to hear what you're saying, the people in your school, the people in your family, the people in your world? To, how, how many would like it if what you said had weight to them? Uh, that, that our values actually impact their values, that what we think is important influences what they think is important. You know, the Bible says that we are the head and not the tail. Uh, we're supposed to be, you know, culture setters, trendsetters, history makers. And so if you want to take out the word leadership, if you feel like leadership makes you uncomfortable, then just change it to influencer without the Instagram account. You know, we are all called to influence our world. You're called to influence your school, your workplace, your family, uh, and that's why you know, leadership is so important. And one of the, the big questions that I had tonight was, where do we start? Because anyone that's ever dived into the leadership world will know that there are thousands and thousands of books on leadership. I mean, John Maxwell, so I am, uh, for those of you that know John Maxwell, I went to the States and I got certified with John Maxwell, so I'm part of the John Maxwell team. But he alone, has written over a hundred books on leadership. That's one guy. Well, I haven't even read 10% of one guy's books, and there's thousands of them, you know, and there's, you could spend, I'm not even joking, you could spend millions of dollars going to conferences all around the world to learn about leadership. So where do we start? What's a good starting point for tonight? If you've got your cell phones, pull it out. Come on, I know you got one. Open up the camera app on your cell phone. Make sure that it is pointing to your own face. Ugh, ugh, yeah. Take a photo of your own face. All right, very good. Look at all these phones, man. Scary. All right, have you got one? 
All right, look, look down at that. Okay, this is where we're going to start. We're going to start with the most important person that you will ever lead in your life is staring right back at you in that photo. And that person is also, and here's the bad news, that person, person is also the hardest person in the world for you to lead. We're going to talk um, tonight about self-leadership. All leadership starts with self-leadership. If you can't get you to do what you want, then how are you ever going to get anybody else to follow you? If you can't get you excited about what you're talking about, then how are you going to get anyone else excited about it? Like the starting point of all leadership is self-leadership. Here's something for you to write down, if you want to write it down, and that is that I am and will always be uh, my greatest limitation. That's the truth. And just to clarify, on a Sunday morning when I speak, I try very hard to have one one kind of thought, one kind of idea. My goal is that on a Sunday morning, I appreciate you've had a lot on during the week. You come into church, you've dragged the kids in sometimes, you've got a lot going on in your head. It's hard to get a whole bunch of information on a Sunday morning. Plus God's talking to you, you've got worship and people around. So on a Sunday morning, I like to have one idea. The goal is that you can go home and if someone that wasn't here says, hey, what did Josh talk about? that you can just rattle it off in a sentence. You know, on Sunday, what did Josh talk about? I talked about how important it was to confess your sins to each other, right? But here tonight, uh, I'm just gonna dump a ton of info on you because this is different, right? This is for leadership stuff. This is for people that are interested in leadership. So if you're not taking notes, you're gonna miss a ton, just so you know. But I can see that you are. Good job, Micah. And you're clearly going to just share your notes with Jason afterwards, yeah, he has delegated well, leader, well done, yeah. So uh, you are and will always be your greatest limitation. Now, depending on how you process that, you'll either feel like this, which is pretty, you know, sad face, because the idea that you are your greatest limitation is not overly flash, it's not overly exciting, that you're the biggest reason that you're not any further along in life, that it's the decisions that you have made in your life that have caused you to end up where you've ended up. One of the things that I heard people say is that at last time I checked, you were there for every bad decision you ever made, <laughs> right? So you can get a little bit down about it, but you're far better to have Michael Jordan's attitude, and that is to get psyched about this, because if you think about it, if every limitation or if the biggest limitation on your life is you, if the biggest problem that you have is a problem that you've created, then that means that the solution is also within your grasp. Right, Michael? Sometimes, you know, it, it, sounds, it sounds counterintuitive, but I would always rather, if I'm having an issue with someone, I would always rather that as much of the issue as possible is my issue. It's my problem. It's my fault. Because even though that means short-term pain and a bit of a hit to my pride and ego and having to apologize, the truth is that if I've caused the problem, then it's within my power to fix it. Um, human, I guess, nature is that if I'm having a problem with Nathan, I desperately want as much of the problem to be Nathan's fault. I want it to be him that let me down. I want it to be him that stuffed up. I want him to be in the wrong. I want to absolve myself of all responsibility so I can say it's all his problem. The only issue with that is that if I put all of the responsibility on Nathan, I am forever held hostage by whether or not Nathan decides to move forward with a relationship or say he's sorry or, or anything like that. And so your goal, or not goal, but your preference should always be that 
as much of the issue in a relationship as yours because then it's within your control to fix it. So next time you have some sort of issue, some sort of problem, and you're like, oh no, I feel like this is my fault. You can be like, yes, I'm so happy this is my fault because I can fix it. Especially if you're dealing with me. I'd love it if it was your fault all the time. Um, all right, so we're going to talk about self-leadership uh, tonight. And just to be clear about what tonight is, this is about uh, introducing you to the journey of leadership. It's to get you excited about leadership and to get you started on leadership. So I've kind of taken the approach that this is like the first kind of real leadership thing that a lot of us have done together. Um, so here's a statement for you too. We can lead short term out of what we know but we lead long-term out of who we are. The truth is that you can fake it for a certain period of time. If you want to grow as a leader uh, or develop as a leader, it's not about what you know. You can read all the books in the world. You can listen to all the podcasts in the world. You can fill your mind up with all the information that you need. But if it's not coming out of who you are as a person, eventually it'll all come crumbling down like a house of cards. Some mixed metaphors there. You know, I, can, I know intellectually as a leader that I need to be patient and I need to be kind and I need to be encouraging. I know that intellectually, but if as a person I'm unkind, impatient, and not an encouraging guy, then short term I can maintain that facade because I know I'm supposed to act like this, but long term the real me will come out. I can know as a leader that uh, intellectually when somebody gives me bad feedback, I can't respond negatively, I can't bite their head off, I can't get defensive. I have to welcome that feedback and draw it out of them and thank them for being so kind to bless me with their honest opinions on my performance. I can know that intellectually, but if my person is defensive and reacts, then eventually who I am as a person will overwhelm what I know to be good leadership practices. So short term, yeah, you can lead out of what you know, but long term, who you are as a person is going to eventually come out, you know, and great leaders commit to leading themselves first. So tonight, we're going to be done by eight. It's already half past seven. So give me half an hour, and then from eight o'clock, we're going to bust out some dessert and just hang out and, you know, have a bit of a yarn. So four steps to exceptional self leadership. Remember that our goal is to lead ourselves first, and then as we lead ourselves, we can start to lead others. If you're taking notes, awesome. Number one, be intentional. I've talked about this actually a bit on Sundays, right? But, but growth doesn't just happen. You can't just develop as a leader by default. As much as I'd love to say that if you just keep doing what you're doing, don't change anything, and in five years' time, you'll be a 10 times better leader than you are right now, it's not going to happen by default. As much as um, you know, we'd like it to, growth doesn't just happen. Love this cartoon with Charlie Brown and Lucy. She says, I think I've discovered the secret to life. You just hang around until you get used to it. Uh, and that might be true for life, but it's certainly not true you know, for growth. You have to be uh, intentional about it. And we all understand that. In any area of life, if you want to improve, you've got to be intentional about it. If you want to learn a new skill, if you want to learn uh, a new instrument, if you want to learn a new language, right? Like I'm trying to learn Spanish. I haven't really made any progress this year because I haven't been overly intentional about it. And as much as I'd love to say that I'm just a better Spanish speaker now than I was a year ago because time, it didn't happen. I'm probably worse now. I've gone backwards. I could have said that sentence in Spanish before, but now I can't. Right, so it's, you've got to be intentional. So let me ask you some questions, and don't freak out too much, because I know that you're just at the start of your leadership journey, but just to get you thinking that, again, leadership is influence. 
And so we're not talking about how to, I'm not trying to create 30 CEOs from this place. I'm not going to send people out and go, look, I want you to be the boss of your company and you to be the leader of your company and you to be a principal of your school and, you know, trying to create these people that just sit at the top of a pyramid. What we're trying to do is create people who carry influence in their life, who because of the way they live their life, just, they, they're leaders because that's who God's created us to be. And when you stand up in your circle of friends and you say, I don't agree with that value, there's such a, a respect that people have for you because of how you live your life and the principles that you follow that they go, man, I'm gonna listen to what Julie has to say about this because she carries influence, she carries leadership. So here's some questions for you, uh, real simple. What podcasts are you listening to? If you, you've turned up tonight because you're interested in leadership or because I told you you had to be here, and... Um, You know, so if you're, if you're interested in leadership, then what podcast are you listening? If you open up my phone right now, you'd find that, you know, any podcast that I can find that's got the word leadership in the title, I have it on my phone. Whether it's the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast or the Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast or the Brian Houston Leadership Podcast or the John Maxwell Leadership Podcast, they're all on my phone and I listen to them a lot. And then I just steal their stuff and then repeat it at nights like tonight and um, get all the credit for it. So what pod, it's, they're free, right? They're free. You could, just, you could just go, I'm going to listen to a podcast once a week, take 20 minutes and, you know, get something out of it. Uh, what books are you reading? If you came around to my house and looked at my library, you would see that there's just a lot of books on leadership that have been half read uh, by me. And the truth is that you don't have to read necessarily a whole book. Um, sometimes you can, you can just like flick through and pull out the nuggets, right? I bought a book by Brene Brown uh, called Dare to Lead. And I, it's a hard book to read. If you've, have you read, read that one, Rick? D.S. Lee, man, it's like this thick. And she's like a psychologist with a brain 10 times the size of mine. She talks about all the stuff that I don't understand. But at, on one page, she wrote this. She said, clear is kind, unclear is unkind. And I took that, that one sentence. And uh, when I first came into the church here, I had to make, um, I had to make some difficult decisions uh, around some, at times, difficult people. Uh, and that, that one statement was my guiding light for so many conversations that I had to have. Because even though it felt to me like I was being harsh when I was saying to people, hey, look, this is the situation, this is where things are going to be moving forward for you, or we don't see a place for you here, or this is shifting... I knew because I'd read that book that actually that was a kindness, that being as clear as I could be was kind and being ambiguous and vague and making false promises and going, well, maybe that could change. And, you know, that's actually unkind. Uh, and so reading that book was super helpful for me. So what books uh, are you listening to? Uh, what conferences are you going to? This is, you know, for serious people. Uh, again, you've got to be intentional. Uh, one of the areas in my life as a leader in this church that I have very little experience in is the area of deliverance, right? Which is, you know, dealing with the supernatural and the effects that it has on, on different people that are being oppressed or impacted by it. It's not something that I've had a lot to do with. And so I've looked at that and gone, okay, I need to be intentional about growing in that area. So there's a conference in Christchurch in April over at Living Waters, hey, uh, Denise, that, that Wes is running, Pastor Wes is running, and he's going to be teaching, you know, church leaders and pastors how to handle that kind of stuff. And so I'm like, well, I'm going to go there because I'm intentional about, you know, uh, growing as a leader. Uh, another one is, uh, how are you adding to your experience? Um, and this is a big one. Uh, what, what opportunities are you looking for, you know, even within church or in your workplace to actually grow as a leader? Uh, I had a conversation with a young man a couple of weeks ago, 
and we were talking about the fact that he felt that he had leadership on his life and wanted to grow in the area of leadership. And so I said, look, there's two ways we can play this, man. I can spend the next six months talking to you about leadership and training you in leadership and giving you all the ins and outs about leadership, or I can just chuck you in the deep end, give you something to lead, and you'll learn more in two or three months doing that than you will in a year just talking about it, right? Because adults learn so much faster when we're doing it. Uh, and so, you know, to his credit, he said, yeah, let's do that. Let's just chuck me in the deep end and let's just see how we go. And so often we're just too, too scared to jump on the deep end because we're terrified about making a mistake or getting it wrong. Um, so can I encourage you to ask yourself the question, you know, what am I doing to add to my experience as a leader? Uh, and someone's just got to do it. Uh, who are you talking to about this? That's another great question. You say, oh, man, I want to be a leader. I'm in, I want to grow as a leader. I want to become better at this. Well, who are you talking to about that? Are you talking to, like me, for example? Come to me and say, man, I want to develop as a leader. Like, what areas can I get involved in in the church to, to grow as a leader? Go to your boss at work and say, man, I want, to, I want to develop as a leader. What programs are there that are available? What, you know, what opportunities are there within the workplace to, to do this? Um, and then, what was my last list? Yeah, so how intentional are you being? So the first one is be intentional. You guys with me? I know we're banging through it pretty quick. Yes, good, well done. All right, next one. This is a fun one. Uh, this is important. So develop awareness, right? You have to know yourself to grow yourself. That's just, that rhymes. Um, I love this quote from James Russell Lowell. He says, no man can produce great things who is not thoroughly sincere in dealing with himself. Listen, all growth begins with self-awareness. If self-awareness is the, the, the starting point of, uh, sorry, if self-leadership is the starting point of all leadership, which it is, then self-awareness is the starting point of all self-leadership. The best foundation for future success is self-awareness in the present, or another way to put that is the best foundation for future success tomorrow is for self-awareness today. This, every one of us knows what it's like to have someone in our life, whether we work for them or don't work for them, that does not have self-awareness. It's frustrating as heck, right? To have someone who is just not fully aware of how they're coming across or you know, the life around them. And a lot, unfortunately, a lot of them are leaders. Craig Rochelle says people have an unlimited capacity for self-deception, especially leaders, right? Nobody lies uh, like leaders. So let's look very quickly at the four elements of self-awareness. And this is, this is something that you can apply to any area of your life. The four areas are awareness, understanding, uh, communication, and impact. And I'm going to break these down for you real quick. Um, and a lot of you will recognize where you fit into the scheme of things here. All right, awareness, understanding, communication, and impact. I'll run through them, so if you haven't got them all written down, you can. So awareness. This is the first stage of self-awareness, is the awareness stage, and that is the ability to recognize how you are feeling, how you're responding in a situation, what's happening around you. So uh, the easiest way to unpack this, unfortunately for Liz, is to use an illustration from my married life. Uh, so... Uh, Liz and I were having uh, fairly repetitive situations where we would be arguing about something, and then Liz would make a comment, and I would go from like one on the Richter scale to ten, like bang, like like not progressing through the stages. If you've ever had an argument with your spouse, you kind of you realize you kind of get this, and it gets a bit. I would just go from one to like bang. It was like 
you know, a mild irritation to then super annoyed, right? And so awareness is the ability to go, I am really annoyed right now. Like I am aware of what I'm feeling. What are you feeling, Josh? I'm feeling angry right now. Feeling very angry. How are you responding? You know, I'm shouting. And as silly as it sounds, oftentimes we don't even have that awareness. Like how often have you been arguing with your wife maybe? And she's like, why are you yelling? I'm not yelling. Why are you so angry? I'm not angry. It's like, yeah, actually, you just need a bit of awareness right now. So awareness is just being able to identify, hey, Jason, like, okay, I am having an emotional response to the situation. You know, I'm feeling a little bit annoyed right now, and yes, I'm raising my voice, and you know, I might be pointing my finger or whatever. Uh, amazingly, some people don't even have that. They're not even aware that they're getting annoyed. They're not even aware that they're raising their voice. So awareness is like basic. That's the first one. This is where it gets really tricky, and that is understanding. And understanding is moving to the next level where not only are you aware of how you're responding and how you're reacting and what you're doing in the moment, but you have an understanding about why you are acting the way that you're acting. And most people never get to level two. Most people never get to understanding because they don't take the time to process through why they're feeling uh, what they're feeling. So in this particular case, uh, we had to go on a bit of a journey, well, I had to certainly, to work out, okay, why is it that when Liz makes that particular comment, that I got so angry. And then, and then like a couple of weeks ago, she made that comment and I got super like, what is going on? And so what I realized, what I identified was that uh, I was okay if someone had a go at something that I had done. So whether it was in a church context or at home, if someone said, hey, I don't like the way you did that, I could handle that okay. If someone said, hey, I don't like the way you said that, again, I could handle that okay. But I had a massive reaction to Liz making a comment that made me feel that she was judging the motivation that I had behind why I did something. In other words, I had an issue with her criticizing my heart in that matter. Does that make sense? So classic example, she's leaving now so I can tell you the true story. Um, We decided to go out for a date after, you know, I think it was at the end of lockdown. We hadn't been out for a long time. And so we're getting dressed. It's all good. And I go, this is, I don't know if this has ever happened to any other guy. I somehow ended up getting ready before she was, which is weird. And so I went and I sat in the car and I turned the engine on and I put on the air conditioning and then I started listening to a podcast. And because the engine was on and the air conditioning was going, it was a hot night. I had the podcast up quite loud. Now I'm happy. I'm in my happy space. I'm enjoying the podcast. She's getting ready. Take as long as you want. It's fine. We're not in a rush. It's Okay. I'm in a good mood, no, no malevolent you know, attitude, I'm fine. And so she comes out, she opens the car door and she gets blasted by this podcast, which admittedly was quite loud. Uh, and before she even shuts her door, she just reaches in and turns the podcast off. And so I thought, that's rude. Um, so I said, I said that's, that's rude. Like, I was a bit annoyed. I said, that's rude, I was listening to that. And then she said... Well, clearly you've got no interest in talking to me on the ride in then. Doesn't seem like that big a deal, right? It's the sort of snarky thing that, you know, a totally unreasonable woman might say. Um, and so I had, I, I had this huge reaction to that comment and it made for a really unenjoyable car ride for like half an hour into town. And my issue was that she didn't say, hey, you know, I'm mad at you for listening to the podcast. She didn't say, hey, I'm grumpy about the way that you said hey, that was rude. 
she just said, well, clearly you weren't interested in talking to me, which was not, in my opinion, accurate. And it was a, it was a judgment on my motivation behind what I was doing. And, and I had a completely disproportionate response. Um, and so I ended up talking to a mentor of mine about it, and we unpacked a few things. And, and this is in no way a criticism of any, anybody here or anyone in the church, but we recognized that this started about nine months after I took on the church. And we realized that what had happened was that I had had to deal with a number of instances in the church where somebody had criticized a decision that I had made, but they hadn't criticized the decision, they hadn't criticized the process, they had come at it from a, we, we know what Josh's real reason was behind it, and it just made me look really bad. Um, and it, it was not flattering at all. And so I'd had to deal with that like on a number of occasions where somebody had, you know, word had got back to me, oh, we know why you made that decision. It was because you really wanted this to happen. And like, whoa. And so I had ended up developing this very thin skin from having to deal with that over and over again. So it took like a long time, a lot of work, talking to multiple people to get to that point where I had an understanding about, okay, this is why I respond, why I respond. And most people don't get there because it's just a lot of work. All right, but can I encourage you to make sure that where possible, you, you work hard for an understanding of why you are acting the way that you're acting. Uh, if it's in a relational context, you know, why am I responding this way? Uh, why do I shut down you know, when I shut down? Uh, why do I get upset? All that kind of stuff. Understanding is super important, and it's the absolute bedrock of self-leadership. Uh, after understanding, though, we have um, communication. And this is literally what I just did. This is the ability to communicate to the people that you need to communicate with, the person that you're dealing with, whoever it might be, uh, why you are acting the way that you're acting. Uh, it sounds simple, but it's a lot harder than it sounds. Uh, and, and if you can't communicate clearly, then that is an indication that you don't understand as much as you think you understand. I don't know if you've ever had a conversation with your spouse, again, where you're kind of like, you're trying to explain why you're annoyed and they're just like not getting it. And you're like, how are you not getting it? Like, I'm annoyed because you said that. And they're like, I didn't say that. Well, I, I thought you'd said that, but even if you did, that's actually not what I'm annoyed about. I'm actually annoyed about this thing over here. And the whole communication thing is a mess because you actually don't understand what you are really annoyed about, right? So that third step is the ability to sit them down and to say, hey, this is how I respond. This is what's going on in my world. This is why I'm responding the way that I'm responding. And so you're communicating to them from you, this is what's going on inside of me so that they can understand what's happening in your world. And then the last step is what we call uh, impact. And that's the opposite. That's not you communicating to them what's going on in your world. That's you recognizing from them to you how your actions are impacting their life. That's an ability to go, okay, I understand what's happening in my world. I understand why I'm reacting the way that I'm reacting. I can communicate to you what's going on in my life, but I also have enough maturity to recognize the impact that my actions are having on your world. So in my case, it's like I understand and recognize that I am making it more difficult for you to actually bring an issue to my life if you genuinely feel that maybe I have acted some way you know, that's not overly pure motive-wise. Uh, or you know, if you're a leader, you might have team members that don't feel that they can give you honest feedback 
because of the way that you respond when they give you honest feedback. You might have team members that feel that um, you know every time there's a little issue, they've got to come and bring it to you because if they take responsibility for it and get it wrong, it will come down on them like a ton of bricks. So again, that self-awareness is not just an awareness of how you're responding, but an awareness of how it impacts the people around you. Does that make sense? Great. And this is like, you can apply this in any area of your life and this is absolutely, if you can get this sorted, man, it makes such a huge difference to relationships, to workplace, to church. Uh, and like I say, hardly anybody is prepared to do the hard work to get it done because it just takes a long time and it's tiring. So we're going to develop uh, awareness. Step three, we're burning through it. I know, look, you're doing well. There's only 15 minutes to go. I know this is not as entertaining as like a you know Sunday morning message with stories and parables and stuff. This is very information heavy. That's why I'm not going to do it every week, right? Just once a month. And there'll be other times when it's a lot more lighthearted. But this is just information heavy for tonight, okay? And also I'm doing it a lot quicker than I normally would. So the next one is to practice reflection. There's a very famous quote, which you probably haven't heard of, so maybe it's not that famous, by um, Julius Caesar. And he says, experience is the teacher of all things, which is a great quote, except it's not true. Experience is not the teacher of all things. As John Maxwell says, evaluated experience is the teacher of all things because the truth is that you can experience something and learn absolutely nothing from it. All of us know someone who has made a bad choice relationship-wise and you're like, oh, why has she chosen that guy? Like, he is so wrong for her. And, you know, he treats her badly and then they break up and she says, oh my goodness, I, I just can't believe I didn't see the signs. I just can't believe I didn't see what a, what a horrible ratback he was. Oh my goodness, I'm never making that mistake again. Nick Minute, right? She's found someone else and you're like, that's the same guy with a different name and face. Like, what is your problem, right? Experience is not the teacher of all things. Evaluated experience. It's the ability to stop and actually evaluate. Okay, what, what happened? Why did I make that decision? You know, what were the red flags that I missed? How can I grow? How can I learn, Right? So what I want to do is just give you four or five things really quickly that you can do to help you uh, evaluate experiences, to help you practice reflection. Number one is to identify or create a thinking place. Uh, And so for me, you've heard me talk about it in church a lot. It's It's the dirt road outside my house. And what I do is I just go for a walk and I just think about stuff. You know, I don't have necessarily an agenda, but I just process through the day. I process through, you know, what's happened uh, over the last week. And I just allow time to evaluate different interactions that I've had. I don't always get it right. Sometimes I go down a horrible rabbit hole where I end up angrier than I was before I started. But uh, oftentimes it gives me a chance to go, okay, yep, could have done that better. Yep, I can see what that person was saying now that I've calmed down. Um, And another thing you want to do is you want to set aside time on a regular basis to evaluate your experience. And a lot of the more mature people, the guys that I listen to on podcasts and stuff, they do this every night. They'll do this, you know, daily, where before they turn the light off at the end of the night, they'll just run through, some of them will journal it out, but they'll just run through some of the interactions that they had during the day and they'll ask themselves the question, you know, how could I have done that better? What would have been, you know, a more mature way to handle that? And most of us don't do that. Most of us get home and we go, oh, what a horrible day. Oh, I had so, oh, just that, that conversation with that person was horrible and then that was gross and then I didn't enjoy my afternoon and I just feel gross and I'm going to watch Netflix. That's what most of us do, right? We get home and we just like want to flush that day down the dunny and just start again tomorrow. 
But the problem is that that experience alone hasn't taught you anything. Having a horrible conversation with someone, having a horrible day, getting cut off in traffic and abusing the guy that cut you off, you know, that doesn't teach you anything unless you take the time at the end of the day with the Holy Spirit to go, okay, you know, what's just, just give me one thing, God, that I could maybe take away from today and, and learn from, you know? One of my favorite quotes is a quote by John Maxwell uh, from his book, uh, something to do with failure. What's his failure book called? Does anyone remember? What was it? No, you're all wrong. You suck. What? Um, something to do with failure, right? Failing forward. Yeah, I got it right. Um, you know, he makes this comment. I think it's in that book. Yeah, you just got to say it louder. Um, he says, I, I never lose. I either win or I learn. I just love that attitude. Like, if your attitude is I either win or I learn something, like, losing becomes something that it's not even a thing anymore. Failure doesn't even exist with that mindset. It's like I've succeeded or I've learned something to help me succeed next time. Um, and so you want to make sure that you're evaluating your experiences as much as possible. Ask yourself good, honest questions. Don't let yourself off the hook. Again, don't just surface level it. How could I have done that better? Well, I guess if I just didn't have that person in my life, that would have made a big difference. Yep, problem solved. Okay. Like actually, you know, ask the question, okay, what could I have done? How could I have handled that conversation differently? You know, I had an interaction this week, um, kind of fed back to me through some back channels about a conversation I'd had with someone, you know, via email a month ago. And I was like, oh, this is annoying. And the temptation was for me to be like, no. That's wrong. That's, that shouldn't have happened the way that it happened. And now I look bad and I didn't do anything wrong. But I stop and I ask the question, okay, how can I learn something from this situation? And my takeaway was, all right, remember, Josh, every time you write something down and email it to someone, they can show that to whoever they want. You might not like it, but that's the truth. And so that's a valuable lesson to learn at a very, very low level where it wasn't a big deal. Because there are plenty of times that I've sent or thought about sending an email to someone that was very snotty, and now I know, don't do that. Uh, right? And also, if you do it to me, I'm putting it on Facebook. Um, and then this one, ask others good, honest questions. How, how often do you do this? How often do you sit down with someone that you trust, that you respect, that knows you well, that has your best interests at heart, and say to them, hey, what do you think is holding me back in life? When was the last time you asked someone that question? Someone that you trust, that you respect, that has uh, experience and expertise, that you look up to and go, look, I, I love the way that you're doing life. When was the last time you said to them, hey, you know me well enough. What is it about the way that I'm living my life that you think is the biggest handbrake on me fulfilling God's potential in my world? Wouldn't that be a scary question to ask some people? You know, you've got to be brave if you want to be a leader. And it starts with self you know, What's holding me back? What could I have done better? Hey, you know that situation that you were a part of and you saw the way that I interacted? What could I have done better in that situation? Uh, ask others good, uh, honest questions. So you're going to practice reflection. And then the last thing that you're going to do to excellent, uh, four steps for excellent self-leadership is you're going to evaluate your environment. I think it's probably my favorite quote. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Proverbs 13, 20 says, he who walks with the wise becomes wise, but a companion of fools uh, suffers harm. I'll unpack that a little bit more in just a moment. But there's two aspects here that I want to run past you when it comes to um, evaluating your environment. And uh, I'm inherently lazy. 
So I'm always asking the question, how can this be done faster? How can it be done better? How can I get someone else to do it? Right? Delegation, leadership, yes. Um, and, and like, what's the cheat here? Where's the hack in it? And so everything that I've said tonight, there's a lot of stuff in here that, let's be honest, just hard work, right? Reading books, hard work. Listening to podcasts when you could be watching Netflix, hard work. Getting to conferences, hard work. This is the, the best hack for the self-leadership thing. And that is, if you can get yourself into the right environment, then 90% of your, your growth will just happen organically. It'll just happen without you even realizing that it's happening. Um, you know, it's been proven over and over and over again in study after study after study that for some reason you will become the, the hybrid amalgamation of the five or six people that you spend the most time with. Over and over again, this has been proven. You'll end up with the same political views that they have. These are the people that speak into your life. So not just necessarily the people that you're hanging out with, but the ones that actually carry influence in your world. The five or six people that have the most uh, or the loudest voices in your life, you will end up becoming uh, a mixture of those five people. That's why the Bible says if you walk with the wise, you become wise. If you hang out with foolish people, you're going to come a cropper. Uh, you'll end up with, they've proven this, you'll end up with the same religious views as them, you'll end up with the same diet that they have, you'll end up with the median income that those people have, you'll end up with the same family size that they have, uh, you'll end up uh, with the same uh, lifespan that they have. It's crazy, right? Uh, and so on the plus side, if you can get around people that are going to move you in the direction that you want to move, it'll happen without you realizing that it's even happening. Uh, and so that's the cheat. Uh, if there were one thing that I would say, hey, focus on this above everything else, it would be get your environment right. You know, imagine that you're a flower. If, you've, if you, you could put all the effort in that you want, but if you're stuck in some terrible soil, you're not going to grow. Whereas if you can get yourself planted in good soil where you're being watered regularly, people are chucking manure on you, you, you will grow without even having to put any effort in. So there's two areas that we evaluate our environment by. One is uh, where you are, the physical environment, and then the other one is who you are there with. So let's look at both of these real quick. Uh, where you are. I'm going to give you nine things. I told you a lot of information tonight. Nine things that you can use to evaluate your environment to see whether it's an environment that is healthy, that is uh, going to grow you, that is going to develop you as a leader. Um, and you might want to apply it to your church, you might want to apply it to your workplace, you might want to apply it to where you're studying, you might want to apply it to your flat, you might want to apply it to your home life. But here's just nine things that can help you discern whether or not you are in a thriving uh, environment. Number one, there are others ahead of me. This is super important. Um, if you're the smartest person in the room, then you're probably in the wrong room, right? You want to make sure that in the environment that you're in, that there are people that you can look up to, that you can move towards, that are pulling you forward, uh, that are more experienced than you, more skillful than you, more intelligent than you, uh, more highly educated than you, that are further along in their walk with God, that are more, you know, you want people ahead of you. That's important. So you want to make sure that there are others ahead of you. Uh, number two, you want to make sure that you are continually challenged. You don't want to be in an environment where every day is the same where you have the same level of responsibility that you had years ago. Nothing about what you do is requiring any more of you than what you were doing a couple of years ago. You're not being challenged regularly. You want to be in an environment where you're continually challenged. Uh, number three, where the atmosphere is affirming. 
This is important too, and sometimes this is easier to recognize uh, the negative than the positive. Sometimes it's easier to recognize that you're in an atmosphere that is not affirming. We all know what that's like to be in an environment where you're not encouraged to take risks or where people are just kind of negative all the time. So make sure you're in an environment that's affirming. Uh, Number four, you're often out of your comfort zone. This is a great way to tell that you are in an environment that is perfect for growth and that you're constantly in a space where you're looking around and you're going, man, I'm feeling uncomfortable right now. Um, you know, as I've said many times, growth and comfort are mutually exclusive. If you're feeling out of your comfort zone, then you're probably right in the middle of the growth zone. And that's, that's where you want to be, right? Our goal as disciples of Jesus Christ is not to be comfortable. You know, that's why Jesus sent the comforter. Who, who doesn't need the comforter? Comfortable people. Only people that need the comforter are the ones that are uncomfortable. So you want to be out of your comfort zone as much as possible. Uh, Number five, that your capacity is increasing. This is super important too. Look at where you are in your life now and ask yourself, have I grown over the last six months? Is my capacity increasing? Is my capacity for stress increasing? Am I dealing with issues now well that a year ago would have stressed the heck out of me? You know, am I dealing with anxiety now in a way that's much healthier than I was before? Am I handling conflict in a much more mature way than I was before? Is my capacity increasing? Uh, Number six, do I wake up excited? This is a challenging question to ask yourself around your job or around your workplace or, you know, your flat or your church. Do you wake up excited to come to church? Don't answer that question. Yes, yeah. Do you guys wake up excited to come to church? Yeah. Yeah, what was that, Gene? Highlight of the week, yeah. What was that, Ioane? Agree, good. All right, Liz, they can all have dessert. They passed the question that I was, I was gonna ask. Uh, you know, taking risks is encouraged. Are you part of an environment where you are encouraged to take risks? Where, where the people around you say, man, give it a go. What's the worst that can happen, right? You wanna be in an environment where risks are encouraged. I remember listening to Rick Warren who pastors a church called Saddleback Church which has got uh, about 65,000 people in it. Had a lot of influence. He wrote The Purpose Driven Life and a bunch of other books. He's a cool guy. Uh, and he was talking about um, you know, why they've had so much impact in church circles and why there are so many churches that have adopted their systems and strategies. And uh, you know, the guy said to him, how, have you, how, did you, how did you come up with all of these brilliant ways of doing church? And he said, well, we decided very early on to have a lab mentality, a lab, laboratory mentality. And he said, what that means is that we just, we were not afraid to fail. And our rule was, if we're going to fail, let's fail big, let's fail fast, and then let's, you know, let's move on. So he said, it's not that we came up with all these brilliant ways of doing things. It's just that we failed over and over and over again until we hit, you know, the right mix. And then we went, okay, that works. And then we'd move on to the next thing. Um, and so he said, you have to, you have to take risks. And like I said on Sunday, if you're not taking risks, then Nothing exciting is ever going to happen in your life, right? The only way to remove risk from your life is to remove any opportunity for anything exciting to happen. The only way to guarantee that you never miss a shot is to never take a shot, you know, or to swing so slow and so low that you bump the ball forward, you're going to get run out anyway. That's a baseball analogy for you, right? You want to be somewhere where taking risks is encouraged. You want to be somewhere where others are growing, This is a good one too. Sometimes you can get into your own head and be like, this place sucks, man. Look at that. I haven't haven't grown here for a long time. It's clearly not a good atmosphere for growth, clearly not a good environment for growth. Clearly, this this is not healthy. And then you look around and everybody else is growing. Hmm, maybe it's not the environment. You know, 
Jason's growing, Michael's growing, Nathan's growing, Michael's growing. Michael and Michael, you guys got very similar names sitting next to each other. Right, so that's another question. Are others growing? Because if other people are growing, then maybe, maybe you need to take a look in the mirror. And then number nine, that growth is modeled and expected. You want to be in a place uh, where you are expected to grow. I think we do that pretty well here. You know, communicating that you're expected to grow. You just expect it to. But then hopefully we do the modeling thing as well. You know, we're trying to model as leaders uh, growth. Uh, and so that's, that's where you are. And then the last one, and then we're done, is who you're there with. And so here's some homework for you uh, to take home. What I want you to do is I want you to make a list when you get home of the most influential people in your life, your friends, your family, uh, your colleagues, your employers, your mentors, etc. And then I want you to, you know, put a circle around the people in your world that are bigger than you, that are larger than you, that are more skilled, more experienced, that are further ahead uh, professionally, that are further ahead in their walk with Jesus, uh, that you could look to and go, man, I want to move in the same direction as them. Okay, you want to evaluate your environment by what your environment's like and then who you're there with. And like I said before, the easiest hack to everything that I'm talking about is just find the people that are doing what you want to be doing and just get in their world. Just say to them, hey, can I take you out for a coffee? Can I buy you lunch? Can I come hang out with you? Just nag, 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 nag. You know, find four or five of them. Say, hey, let's go play. Let's go bowling. Let's do this. Let's, you know, whatever. Just get in their world um, because they, they will rub off on you in a good way. All right, so you're going to evaluate your environment. So what I want you to do is I want you to be intentional. I want you to develop awareness Good luck with that one. That's a fun one. You're going to practice reflection and recognize that experience on its own doesn't give you uh, lessons. You actually have to stop and look for the lessons in the experience. And then you're going to evaluate your environment. Uh, And on those nine things that are listed, I would say that if you, let's say you were running it through uh, your workplace, if you looked at that and you said, man, I've only got five out of the nine, uh, maybe, maybe it's time to look at you know, doing something a little bit different uh, or at least changing what you can change to bump that thing up. Um, but I personally wouldn't settle for anything less than six or seven out of nine. I think it's, it's normal to expect your yeah, environments to have a couple of work on areas. Um, so maybe you don't have nine out of nine, but five out of nine. Is that cool? Yes, it is eight o'clock, it's 8.03. Does anybody have any questions for me before we go and have dessert? Yes, Tibor. Uh, the recording, it is being recorded, and I can send you the slides. The only thing we can't do is synchronize the slides with the recording. You can work that through yourself. But yes, anyone that wants the recording of my voice and the slides uh, can have them. Just, just let me know. It's no problem. Yeah. Anything else? Pat, you okay? Was it helpful for you, Pat? Yes, yes, good. Lots that you can learn in there. Yep, good. You've got people in your world that are bigger than you and further, yep, yep, further along than you, like 100 years old. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Jokes. Me and Pat are best friends, so we're allowed to joke around. Hey, Pat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> any, any other questions? All good? 
Sweet. Yes. Going once. Going twice. Kira, this thumbs up. Yep. Awesome. Hey, thanks for coming out. Um, we're going to do this again in a month's time. So you've got plenty of time to work on what we've talked about. Uh, I was saying to, to someone earlier, I'm not yet sure what, uh, what road we'll go down with these, whether we'll end up veering down more of a ministry leadership road and end up talking about things like you know, how to lead in ministry, how to pray for people, how to do deliverance and stuff like that, or whether we'll end up going more down uh, a, a leadership road which is more widely applicable to all different environments, or whether we'll bounce between the two. I don't know. I would appreciate any feedback, particularly if you're like, man, I'd love to learn more about this, or I'd love it if you could do a session on that, or you know, things like conflict resolution, or how to get over fear of failure, or all that kind of stuff that's holding you back. The more feedback you give me, the more tailored we can make it to what's actually useful for you guys. Otherwise, I'm kind of shooting in the dark a little bit. So tonight was just like an overall, like, hey, if you want to go on a leadership journey, here's some thoughts to get you started. Um, but moving forward, we might pick like a different topic and just get into it a little bit more deeply, you know, month to month. But at the moment, nothing specifically planned. So all I know is that we'll do it once a month. It'll be about 45 minutes and then we'll hang out and do dessert. All right. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Let's go.